0: the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that change careers and your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10% this year, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to those sales success blueprints that have helped so many. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Lacey Bell-Mulestein. Lacey is the GVP of Sales for the Adobe Analytics and Adobe Target Solutions Groups for North America. Prior to this role, she spent five years as AVP, successfully frontline managing a team of high-performing sales execs and consistently accomplishing revenue goals exceeding eight figure quotas. Lacey thrives on coaching, mentoring, and selling with her team. She's a fantastic leader with a remarkable record of beating the market. We are in for a fun ride today. Lacey, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. I'm so thrilled to be here and excited to share some of my insights, and hopefully some of this will be useful for our audience.
0: Oh, it's going to be good. I, I'm excited. I've I've been around enough, and I've watched you speak in a lot of different places, and, and more than anything, I, I've, I've talked to enough people that have worked with you. I've, I've been really excited. I've been trying to get you on this show for a few months, and I'm pumped that we got you today. Um, why don't we start, Lacey? Lacey you work for a, an iconic company right now in Adobe. Adobe is a, a, a really big company. It's a, it does killer things. You've had a couple of different roles in there. Can you share with our listeners what you're doing at Adobe right now?
1: I am currently um, managing a team of uh, what we call sales specialists. Um, we are essentially the SME or, or subject matter expert on two particular of the flagship products for Adobe, which are analytics and target. We actually cover um, and support 40, um, what we call NAM, named account managers, within um, the North American sales group um, for Adobe. Um, We're basically selling to enterprise brands, and our job is to come in and when our two products are the front runners or at least an important part of the solution set that the customers looking to invest in. That's where we come in and run our, uh, we basically run our deals sometimes directly, sometimes in strong partnership with the NAM. And ultimately at the end of the day, we are held accountable to uh, the numbers and revenue for those specific two products, analytics and target for all of North America.
0: Awesome. So team selling to the enterprise, which is pretty complex, I'm sure that you have uh, you have a lot of fun making sure that that team is is taking what the market gets and then some. So you must have had an interesting journey getting there, Lacey. I mean, this is a not a show up and and kind of show up and be successful job. What's your story that ended up having you at such a really high end, complex place uh, at a place like like Adobe? Our, our listeners are always really interesting. And what's the journey that got you here?
1: So I, I'm I'm so thrilled to share the journey and and um, you know it's kind of humbling when I talk through it sometimes but I I will say just for the listeners I mean it is somewhat of an unusual journey in that I've actually been with um, either Adobe and or Omniture since um, about 2003 so this is a very unusual I, I think the average tenure in technology is 18 months um, yeah. so no, I guess right. it's not something that. <laughs> yeah, so it's not something that's super attainable by a lot of our listeners. That's all I want to say. Um, I actually was very fortunate to be a part of Omniture. I was employee number 50. Uh, I don't know if you all remember um, way back when that wow. was one of the first huge um, acquisitions that occurred in in Utah uh, for $1.8 billion by Adobe. Um, I started there. I had a good run at Omniture, uh, starting out as an account executive. I'm sorry, starting out as an account manager. So what I was doing was the hard work, you know, the, the, the past the honeymoon phase, working with customers, really, really helping them understand our solution, how to use it, fixing, you know, helping them solve their problems. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, after the honeymoon, it's, it's not, it's not as, it's not as glamorous and there's a lot of hard work to be done. But I will say, I will credit those two years. I spent just two years fresh out of college as an account manager and I can't speak I can't speak enough about this. I think for any AE or sales leader that eventually, you know, or that wants to become a sales leader, uh, sorry, account executive wants to become a sales leader or, you know, an existing um, sales leader, it is crucial that you have very, very good product knowledge about the product you're selling. Those two years in account management made me capable of being a very successful AE. And even in many cases I was my own sales engineer as well because I had been I had spent so much time working day to day with our customers in the trenches using the technology. So that was the part of my background that I think was kind of the catapult that got me into an account executive role. So a direct com- contributor for about six years. Um, I was the first woman um, in uh, the Omniture sales culture. So that was,
0: you know, mm, cool. that was an
1: experience. Um, I have a lot to talk about probably for another for another day. If we, if we wanted to ever have a focus on you know just women, women in sales and how to navigate that, because it's, it's not that easy. It's a little bit tricky, but um, I definitely, I'd say that the most important thing I did in those six years, and I want to make sure our audience knows this, is if there's anybody that's looking for leadership in the future, the number one thing, the number two things I did was, number one, I was always a leader within my organization and my team. Um, because I was such a product specialist, I had you know, five-year, 10-year sales veterans coming to me every day to give them advice or insight on how they should run their deal or how they should handle an objective. The product knowledge really, really had basically made up for any lack of sales experience I had, Um, and it really allowed me to gain trust and to to, for others to respect me and embrace me as a member of the team. Um, So I carried that on for, you know, six years, always being willing and able to pipe up in a meeting and add you know, uh, my insight and, and, you know, maybe some point to, to an annoyance to others, but, you know, a little bit outspoken. (laughs) And um, when you feel that, like, oh, I have a need to say something, then say it. That's kind of what I've always said to people is, you know, don't just sit around being quiet and being, um, you know, unwilling to, to share your, you know, what works for you and what are your successes and how did you work this or that deal. Those are the things I have done my entire career that have allowed me to continue to grow with my career path and to be always the, you know, goes without saying leader for the future. Um, when the role come, when the role came available for me to become in, you know, move into a, a frontline manager position, nobody else even applied for the role. They knew wow. they're like, Oh, it's, Lacey's taking the job. We already knew it. You know, and these are my peers and you know, and so these are things, I guess I'm just saying to, to kind of, help people lead into their own futures is to, to really make sure that you're adding value to your team. And even though it doesn't um, help you to your number and it doesn't get you, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't put more money in your pocket. It, it helps you develop a, a great reputation as a leader and allows you to build a career path. So there's a very important balance. You have to look out for number one always hit your number do everything you can, but any any advice or, or mentoring that you can offer to your peers in a non-condescending manner in a way where they feel just appreciative for your help is is going to reward you in your years to come. So, you know, that's how I ultimately landed in sales leadership. I was also the first sales leader as a woman within Omniture ever of all time. So that was really exciting.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And And one thing I'll say on that is, is I've never considered myself. I've always been a woman. I've always thought of myself as a woman, but I've never considered myself different, right? So you know, like oh, there's there's some anxiety, and maybe you know, women don't belong, and oh my gosh, I'm the only one, so I don't fit in. That's not allowed. You can't think like that. You can't act like that. You just have to, you have to make yourself kind of blend in with everyone, and and you know, you have to prove yourself just as much as anyone else, and and then. It, ultimately it, it becomes an advantage because because women have a little bit we have a different set of skill set different different set of traits that we were born with that really help us if we can it um, can find our way and navigate navigate through the organization and 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 you know it's something that I I'm very very excited about that that there's so many folks in the world that need help and coaching in um, sales leadership and just you know, account executives in general and and women right now are really making their run at, um, at joining our ranks. And it's so exciting. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff again, we can go on and on, but, um, this, these are the things that led me into the sales leadership about six years ago. And then the most important thing was working our butts off, just grinding blood, sweat and tears and, um, and showing the numbers, hitting the numbers. Um, and I think the, the, there's some very important pieces of that and how to do that successfully. You know, you know, having been doing this for now about 13, 14, 15 years with success repeatedly and ongoing. Um, there's some more stuff I'll share as we keep going here, Rob, that I think will hopefully help our audience.
0: So this, this we'll that, your that story, is, your story is so good, Lacey. And it, it, it takes a lot to make me shut up as our listeners know, and you, you did it. I was loving hearing you. <laughs> so, um, uh, and I want to just give you a kudos for, for being a, a standard bearer for a really important uh, movement that you refer to as being women in sales. And the numbers show that, yeah, I mean, the women are are, are kicking more than their share of ass as salespeople right now. And But the reason that you're here is regardless of, of gender, you are a sales leader whose team is smoking it. You take what the market gives and then some, and that is what this show is all about. And you've done it you know, in a number of different environments. And I'm, I'm super excited because your passion comes through Lacey. I love the passion that I hear as you talk about your journey Now, you've created, I'm sure a blueprint for what you do as a leader to make sure your team has the kind of success. I mean, uh, as you've shared some of your history, I mean, you've never not uh, taken care of business and, and done really well. How do you do it as a leader? What are the things that you build when you're running a team and you're leading a team of salespeople of all different skills and tenure with the company and all those things? What are the things you put together to make sure that not only do you get into high growth mode, but you freaking stay there?
1: So I don't think there's a lot of, um, there's not a perfect recipe that is completely repeatable. um, But there are a cup, there are, there are two strong points. Number one, number one is, is culture. Um, and I'll, I say this and some people roll their eyes like, uh, oh, it's not that important because people don't stay that long. And I'll tell you right now, and I'm very proud of this number, that the average um, tenure of uh, employees that currently direct report to me is around five to six years. Pause,
0: pause, pause. You gotta push pause. Say that again. Your average tenure is five to six years with your team?
1: It is, it is. And it's, it's almost like there were two years in a row where I did not have an open head. And what that boils down to is one, great hiring initially, right? You've gotta get the right people. You gotta, you gotta great, find great, great talent and, and hire well. But you also have to learn how to, um, bureaucratically fire fast, right I mean, I work for a big company we have a lot of uh we have a lot of red tape so it's it's more challenging for someone in in my type of organization but but really, you need to get rid of folks as quickly as you can that we know aren't going to work out and and in the meantime you need to be fostering and building a very very strong team so you hire well, but then you then you you take the time you spend the time i think. You know, some people say, oh, do team outings or, um, you know, team building. And yes, that stuff's great, but sometimes budget doesn't allow or there's no time for that. The, the best way I've identified of building culture within my team is to embrace everything they're doing, walk a day in their shoes as often as I can, get in the trenches, be on the phone with them, help them with a very tough negotiation, force them to create executive alignment, help, help them to help me get in touch with the CMO in a very important deal. Um, And really they just need to feel that I'm in it as much as they are right They're They've got skin in the game. They've put in a lot of work, but there is a lot of times and you you can't do it on every deal. I, I try to pick one deal at least per quarter with each of my direct reports. That I am intimately involved with. That means I'm on the road with them. That means I'm strategizing as we're working through our proposals and as we're negotiating our deals. And as you work with them side by side, the respect that they gain for you as a leader—it's really hard to describe. Um, I have, you know, I have some very, very, um, you know, sweet and generous and kind and uh, account executives that work for me. And even of recently, I, I've been on maternity leave and I, they've been very sweet. They've left me to um, spend time with my baby, but they, I'm coming back in a couple few weeks and they are just very excited to have their leader back because it's been, you know, there, there's been a little bit of a void for them. And, and the things that they are, that I hear from them are, look, we will follow you into battle everywhere. We need you back. We love your energy. We want, um, ne- nothing more than to be part of your team and, and go where you go. And that's something I've spent a lot of time, but really it's just having these, um, I'd say candid conversations and being very selective about how many harsh conversations you have with your, with your account executives versus, um, constructive criticism. And there's so many ways of addressing, um, you know, challenges and things we have to work through, but, but I firmly believe that if you, Um, If you really care about the people you work with and you work hard to build them up, it's much easier to work through their challenges than if um, you're kind of ruling with an iron fist. Uh, You know, sometimes that is necessary and you will fail as a leader if you can't do that when duty calls. But to have people behind you that will they will fall on the sword. They will lie in the trenches. They will do everything and anything they can. And not only they hit their own number, but because they don't want to let you down. That is the ultimate prize of building a great culture.
0: So the this second is,
1: point. Let me,
0: I got to push go pause ahead, again. Sorry. No, 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 no. I got to push pause because you got great points and I want to hear them all. But you just said something we've had. I think you're our twenty six 27th person that we've had on the show, something like that. We've had some good ones, like people that you know, really good, good leaders. You're the first one to have that tactic that shared with me once a quarter, uh, one deal per rep per quarter with every member of your team. How'd you come up with that? That's a killer idea. And and, and I love how you said it builds this, this rapport. Is it, how important is it for your reps to know that you can actually do the job?
1: It's, it's crucial crucial because here's the thing they come to you for advice they come to you because they have you're their boss they're in a they're in a sticky situation they're in a jam our competitors winning when you give them advice back they the the ability to know that you know what you're talking about the yeah. confidence they have they march out they march out that door with their head high and we have a solution and I always say look guys I get my whiteboard out. We have a giant whiteboard on the wall. I say, okay, let's figure out our plan. Here's the people we know. Here's the people we don't in the deal. Here are the people that are on our side. Here are our nemesis. These are the ones we need to focus on. What do we know about the person, the number one nemesis that could, that could throw our deal? And, and then, okay, we figure these things out. What's our approach? You take that guy. I take that guy. Um, and then beyond that, it's, it's also technology solution. So how does this technology solve for their problems? Well, if I didn't know the technology, I would not be able to add the value. I would just be giving them lip service as a manager, and just I would literally be a quote unquote manager. I don't want to be that. I want to be an inspiring sales leader. So for me, I was I was blessed with the opportunity to lo- learn the product. I think that leaders can be extremely successful two ways. You either have to know the product inside and out or you have to have had outside sales leadership selling to the type of market that, that your company is trying to break into. So you can hire either someone from within that has great potential, that knows everything about your technology and hope that you're promoting a leader, a future leader that will be successful, or you need to bring someone from the outside that is sold in your market and knows how these people think and knows what they, and know how they operate and, what they do and how these cycles go and how to fish out the competitor. Either or is crucial to being able to really help your team feel that when they come to you for advice and counsel and you jump in the trenches with them, that they've just brought in, you know, you know, a great resource and they're thrilled to have you. Um, It's also important that you pick, like I said, like one deal a quarter because it is not scalable, right? We should not be selling for our reps ever. I'm so we glad you be. brought
0: that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because here's it's why. Lisa, true. It's,
1: it's like, no, yeah, Lisa, Here's the
0: thing. No, here, here's, here's, I, I was getting ready to ask this question and then you just brought it up. You went there so I didn't have to. I work with leaders in 19 countries around the world. We have so many sales leaders that we're helping with coaching, coaching solutions. And the, one of the number, it's like there's these top five places where, where leaders think they're doing, like they're helping and being a great coach, but they're not. And one of the top ones, Lacey, that I see is deal chasing instead of deal coaching, where they jump in and say, let me just do this. And they don't teach their people or help their people so they can win it. They just go in there and do it. I see it happen all the time. Why did you say it's so important that you don't just go in there and do it for them? I, I'm really interested in your take on this.
1: It's so tempting. Okay, as a leader, let's say you came from a, you came, right? Like we want to do it, right? We want the revenue. We need the numbers. You either know everything about the industry that you're selling to, or you've sold t- these enterprise deals before, or you know the product inside it out, or you know both. It is so tempting to try to step in and act them and let, and, and essentially make them your puppet, right? It's so easy and any rep under, in the world would happily accept their manager taking over, or their, their VP, whatever, taking over a sales cycle. The problem is you're not, you're not teaching them, it's the, the age old analogy of teach a man to fish, right? If I am doing them a complete disservice, if they can just walk into my office when they feel uncomfortable and then I'll go fix their problem, they haven't learned a thing and I've done nothing to grow them in their career. So my primary goal is I say, you give me one deal, I'll run it with you. We will be tag team side by side and you can see and hear everything I do and how I negotiate and when is the right time to to bring in, um, you know, competitive intel and when is the right time to try and find a higher level executive. And I'll show you everything I have to offer with you together but it's only going to be one, maybe two deals depending on how large your team is and how many transactions your team does per quarter. The other ones, you're on your own and I want to see you and I will give you background advice and coaching, but I will not engage frontline with your customers. I will, you'll be the one out in front of them. You'll be the one, um, you know, getting on the airplane. I, I will absolutely get on um, any airplane or any meeting or in any sales cycle that requires executive alignment. I will work very, very hard to ensure that's in place. But I think we all know that executive alignment takes up about 3% of the total time invested in a deal. It's crucial, the crucial 3%. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 10%. But so we should be doing that on as many deals as possible, but we should only be really helping and coaching and letting them learn from our experience at a minimum. And then our, and then the next thing we do is say, okay, take what you learned and apply it to the next the next sales cycle and the other deal and that other customer you're trying to win over. Um, so the, the, I guess the point is you give them enough and you coach them and help them and hope that they're learning and taking it down so that they can proceed forward in other situations. And then really all you do is check in with them, and say how it's going. Behind the scenes, you give them advice, but you know, you gotta essentially that's the only way your reps can build their own confidence and courage. And, you know, and that's the only way your organization will ever be scalable as well is to teach them to fish and then set them on their own with some guidance behind the scenes. And that's what I've decided and, and figured that is is most successful for,
0: for me. I love it. That's a great, great story. And I love your focus on culture. I love everything about how, uh, how you do that and in and, and finishing with make sure you're teaching them to fish, not just cause you told them, but because you show them. It sounds like you have a really cool blend of doing it with them, consulting with them, and then watching them kind of a, a blend of those three motions. Am, am I getting that right?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I'll hit on the next point. So the two, yep. whenever cool. anyone says, anyone says, Hey, what's, what, what, what do you attribute to success lately in your career? Two things. I build a great culture and my team is fiercely loyal. And two, I build an extensive network. Hmm. So network is that, and that was from the beginning of my career, the number one, I've always said that now I've learned that the great culture as I've become older and wiser (laughs) is more and more important because, because people are fickle and there's lots of opportunities out there and we need to try to keep them with us because they've got, you know, in tech, like they've got, they've got knowledge and skills that is just very, very hard to reproduce. But if they don't build a network, and what I mean by network is, there should be somebody in every single salesperson's organization. In engineering, in tech ops, in sales ops, in account management, in legal, in there should be. You should have a little black book, and in my case, I actually use the whiteboard. <laughs> um, I use. The <laughs> you love your whiteboard,
0: board. don't you, Lacy?
1: We do. You should see it. Uh, it's a it's a nightmare, but it's a poetic nightmare. So. We have every name of every individual within our company that has helped us on a very, very challenging, unique issue that we needed to resolve in a sales cycle. It's a product related or it's a, we can't get through this legal, this indemnification negotiation or whatever it is. Every time I identify someone great within Adobe or a customer that has weighed in as a kind of a reference on the situation, we write the name down and what they do. And then, most importantly, and this is a key, key tip that all of our listeners can walk away with, anytime somebody within your organization contributes to a sales cycle that's not in sales, go out of your way to make them feel appreciated. And, you know, what I do, and this is a a very easy, it's not not a trick, but it is. It's not manipulative. It's genuine. But the point is, if you write a, a note to the boss of the individual that helped you, that says so-and-so did this great thing. It really contributed to this sales cycle. We landed this, you know, $250,000 epic deal uh, for the quarter in the in the final hours because he chipped in and gave us some insight about, you know, how the, the product will integrate with uh, another solution and yada, yada, yada. I just want to say it was impressive, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he did a wonderful job. He or she did a wonderful job, and we're so thankful for their help you send it to their boss nice. and you, and you CC your boss ever. I'm telling you 80% of the time, the boss of the person who helped you forwards it to their boss and the individual and says, look at this great thing that my employee is doing and how they helped sales and how we got a crucial deal because of them. On the flip side, my leader is seeing it as well and passing the news on elsewhere. That individual that helped you, You've just given them a gift that you can't put a price tag on. They have received some, you know, public appreciation. Their boss knows who they are. Their boss's boss knows who they are, that they're doing great work. And they become a little bit more, um, you know, irreplaceable in what they're doing. You can't put a price value on what that means to people. And it's a genuine process. And that's, you know, I'd say always be able and willing and fierce about dialing for dollars. That's what I say. We don't have a solution. Customer's about to make a decision. The competitor's winning. We need to answer this interesting technology question. I will pick up the phone and call. I will call everybody in Adobe. Even as a leader, my reps have watched me do it. I will dial and dial until we get an answer. And then that person that gave us the answer, maybe the first few people are like, no, that's not my specialty, but I will refer you elsewhere. By the time you find that person, you, you know, that is kind of, that is the effectiveness. And you can't email, can't text. You can't twit like tweet. You can't tweet twit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You can't. That is so funny. Um, you can't tweet it. To them. You have to actually like go old school. Because so just remember, salespeople are extremely progressive and advanced in technology. But some other folks within your organization that that are in different realms, they probably don't use those channels as much. You just call them. They will pick up their phone and they're thrilled to be a part of sales it makes them feel important it makes them feel like what they're doing matters and they love helping so build your network once you've done it write the email send them a gift card for starbucks for 10 bucks send them a 50 dollars gift card to a restaurant that you know they and their life their wife would love or whatever the case may be These are the ways you build your network, and that network is absolutely priceless, and that's how you will continue to grow and evolve, especially if your company is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's harder and harder to get resources, or especially if your company is tiny. It's just a small organization, and you have yourself. You're going to really rely on these non-sales resources in your network. And that is how you're successful.
0: So Lacey, is that just as important for you to coach your members of your team is how to get resources and, and how to win people over inside the organization as it is to how to win business with prospects outside of the organization?
1: Absolutely. It's, it's even more important. Wow. Because, okay. you know, if you, yeah, if you think about it, there's so many people there that know so much more about our products than we do. There's so many people there in our companies that know so much more about what are the flexibility of our legal terms than we do. We can't possibly know everything. And the only way to um, be able to successfully sell is to be able to pull in those folks at the right time, to get on the phone with the customer, and to really help answer the questions, not just a, um, yeah, I think that should work, or... Yes, you can, you can use it this way or that. It's so much more effective if we get direct technology answers and or, you know, any sort of resource within and even outside. Like I said, it's, it's amazing when you build customer relationships. Being able to allow one customer to talk to another is really important. If you have a customer that loves you, you've done nothing but good by them. Their, the product has been successful for them. They will do anything they can to to ensure that you are continually successful. So think about it. If you are, then they get to continue to keep you as a resource. The person that sold to them is still our person. If you aren't continually successful, they've seen reps come and go, you know, here and there. Our customers are really eager to help in other sales cycles as well as it helps them build their network. So all you have to do is ask and all you have to do is be extremely gracious. And um, and just you know show humility and show passion and help them feel a part of it, a part of the team, a part of this sale. You were you were you know crucial in getting us there, and and before you know it, you have you know a rolodex of a hundred different folks, all throughout the organization and elsewhere that are willing to to help you at any time. You just got to take good care of
0: them. That is such good advice. No one wants to feel used. They want to feel like they're part of something bigger. And then most of all, they want to feel appreciated. That is really good. That's another one that nobody's really brought up on this podcast as a way to help the reps win is to tap into those resources and be genuine. I love, I'm looking over my notes because we're coming up on it. Uh, we've talked about culture. We've talked about getting in the trenches. You've talked about building loyalty. We just had some good discussion around network. There's one thing you mentioned that I don't want us to finish without at least addressing, even though we're getting low on time. You mentioned, you know, hiring right and, and, and you, and you made a quick mention around diverse teams. And, and I know you're passionate about that. What's the importance of diversity on a team as you build a high, high performing team? It's
1: helpful when you have all aspects because you know if you have a great blend it makes your team very interesting but it makes them also extremely open-minded to um everybody on the team and self-aware of what they personally bring as value because everyone is different right yeah. and then we celebrate everyone's difference and we we leverage it you know I've got I've got this this woman on my team Janae she's an incredible she works her butt off she's she's new to this particular role but you know, she's looking at her peers and she's looking at these men and they're just crushing it and they're on the road and they're killing themselves. And guess what? She's like, I'm going to do one more. <laughs> I'm going to work even harder. And yes. you know, it's just, it's just crucial. So that's how she's looking at them. Guess how they're looking at her? They're like, man, she's so great at building out relationships and she got to the bottom of what was the real problem we were solving for quicker than I ever do. How does she do that? And again, I think women have a little bit more natural born tendencies towards empathy or, you know, we can read an audience, but men, you know, they can do, they have a lot of other skills. And and so it really just creates a balance within the team. And it makes it also, honestly, it, it, it creates a much safer environment for companies that have you know hr guidelines that they're trying to follow and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know if the team is blended then you know everybody's happy and um and everyone's self aware and everybody um, conducts themselves in in a manner that is you know something to be proud of
0: lacey i love your perspective i mean clearly you you've you've had so much success and i can see why it comes here. you've got a lot of depth i i love the perspective that you share as you look at all these things and and i think that the world's getting more aware of the just the, the fact that more diverse teams do better than more kind of one, one-sided teams. And I'm glad – teams, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I want to finish the same way I finished with everyone because we – I just can't ever – I knew when we started this, I knew we were going to run through 30 minutes super fast. So um, first of all, thank you. You've been outstanding as I knew you would be. But there's two ways I finish every, every episode of this, Lacey. The first is I love to ask these great leaders like yourself, what's the toughest leadership challenge that you've had to face and and how did you attack it?
1: Um, So unfortunately the toughest leadership challenge I've had, I've had to face many times and that is um, constant evolution and change, which I think there is not a leader in the entire world of technology sales and otherwise that can't say that. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean we have constant evolution the very first book that anyone should read is Who Moved My Cheese? Because if someone can't figure out how to adapt and find the cheese when it moves to a different place in the maze, then they are going to become irrelevant. Um, so but as a leader, you cannot commiserate. You have to find the perfect amount of, I know, I feel you, this isn't what we are expecting, we got thrown a curveball, but this is what we got and we got to crush it. You have to have a positive open-minded attitude, but you also have to be willing to, behind the scenes, before other things are set in stone, fiercely go fight for what you think is right. So stuff you would never tell your team is go push back where you think evolution is occurring and it's unattainable. But with your team, you have to have a confident, tough, bright face and be prepared to lead through it. Um, We always get, you know, we don't always get numbers that are attainable. That's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to lead through. The most important thing is you keep everybody happy. You keep their heads up. You keep them confident and you let them celebrate their wins and, and, and do enough that, you know, you put it, you left it all on the field. You, you, you know, there was nothing held back. You did the very best you could. And, and of course the people in, you know, that were running these fields feel that self of that self confidence. And then, you know, and that's really the only way you can lead through change. People will get changed a hundred times over throughout their career in what they're selling, who they're selling to, who they're reporting to, what products they have. That is something that you just have to master in, And it's a very, very tricky balance, but it's important that you, that you decide what is your method for balancing and managing through change.
0: Love it. The change one is such a tough one. You're right. And in tech, it never, ever, ever stops. So it's a of advice. And again, everything you're pulling, Lacey, this has been good. You're not bringing up anything that other people, this is awesome. You, everything about you is OG, man. It's all original and you're you're, uh, you're bringing <laughs> good stuff to the table. Um, last one that we ask everyone. Oh, thank, thank you. You're, you're No, thank you. We, we finish the same way every time and you already went there. Leaders are almost always readers. We're looking for ways to up our game. We've got to find ways to continue to improve. I love your Who Move My Cheese. We'll we'll add that to our sales leadership library on our podcast website as well. Is there anything else you'd recommend uh, for leaders to make sure they get their hands on as they're working on their leadership game?
1: Absolutely. Hands down, the number one book, there's so many cliches out there, Lynchpin by Seth Godin. We all know him. He's very, very widely respected. This book is very unusual. You will, you will listen to, I audio booked it, but you know, um, I also have a hard copy. You will, it it feels a little out there. It feels like, why are we breaking the mold? And why are we breaking other, uh, you you know, like this has worked for so many years. Why are we trying to do it differently? And the, the fact of the matter is that book is, you know, exceptional at teaching you how to, to be, to lead differently into the future, to to no longer you know not we don't we aren't just a part of a mass. You need to find a way to make yourself unique, and to add value into this world and into sales and um, you know and so on and so forth. And it, it's just an, it's very very unusual and very very effective perspective. And I'd say take things with a grain of salt. Not all of it is for you, but if you really want to learn how to take yourself you know a step beyond. Um, you know, as far as your competitors is, you know, your peers and, and how do you stand out and how do you become a true athlete in sales? You know, he's got some incredible perspective with lots of years of research that really helped. The bottom line is the goal is for you to become the linchpin, right? If you read Love this it. book, it's going to coach you and take you through. Um, again, not everything is for everyone. So I'm not saying the, the entire book is perfect. I'm saying it's a wonderful book to help you think outside the box.
0: All right, Lacey, we are way past the time. How do our listeners can follow more of you? I know I know you're involved in in uh, women in sales in Utah as well. How, how do they learn more about you? How do they learn more about your causes? Uh, how do they stay connected to things that you care about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd, I'd love to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. That's the primary. I'm not great. I, I do have a Twitter account, um, and I'm not that great at, at keeping it up to date. So, um, so look for Lacey Bell Muelstein, um, Utah Women in Sales, Ambassador, GVP of Adobe Analytics and Target. That's me. Um, if you go to – I actually – I don't know um, if you're able, Rob, to post some links into um, the content here that, that we're um, – as you post the podcast. But um, Utah Women in Sales, anyone out there that wants to get involved, we've got an organization of 700 and growing of men and women, um, but men and women, that are um, wanting to be. I think the women in sales is a really important evolutionary part of culture. And um, any men that are involved in in supporting it, I think it's only going to help them in their future. (laughs) Um, And that's what we're actually talking about. And we're doing a lot of innovation there. So it's stuff that is good for everyone. And so um, I I will actually share. um, We've got an Instagram, Utah Women in Sales and a LinkedIn page for that as well. So I'm going to make sure you have all of those links. I don't
0: know if you're able to post we'll get them up. Those. Yep, we'll put them up for sure. We can't wait. We're awesome. excited. Okay. will be fantastic. Lacey, you have been amazing. She is Lacey Bell-Mulestein. She's the GVP of sales for Adobe Analytics and Target Solutions for North America. Um, her teammates love to work with her. Her colleagues love to work for her. And most of all, the prospects of the people on her teams, they cannot help but buy from her. Lacey, you've been fantastic. And as we say to everyone, happy selling and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much, you guys.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that even matter? And I think the timing for the interview with Lacey was awesome. You know, it's January, everybody's kicking off years, everybody's really trying to have the team fired up, and, and, and we all come up with different strategies for how we address the fact that the more button was pushed, and how do we get them going, and, and Lacey left a really simple blueprint on how to win no matter what your size company. She talked about being in a young company, she talked about being a global vice president for a, a massive, iconic company like I, uh, uh, Adobe. And you know she she made it really simple. It comes down to culture, and and it comes down to uh, building those those networks, and primarily the, the internal network. I, I thought that was really interesting. Talked a little bit about about diversity and a couple of other things. But as I think about why is Lacy winning, and I listened to her talk, and yeah, her passion is amazing, and she fires you up when you hear her talk. It was it was fun to listen to the passion in her voice with what she does. But the passion wasn't just for sales. The passion was for her team. And here's the question that I would challenge you to ask yourselves. If we went and asked every single rep on your team, do they work for you or do they work with you? That's a really good question. Do 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 my reps think they work for me or do they think that they work with me? Because my gut tells me that Lacey's team would say we work with her. And she talked about culture being the number one thing. You know, we, we've already shared with you on our greatest hits. There are five things that every single leader really gravitates to, to have these world-class sales, uh, culture, sales, uh, organizations. And culture is number one for everyone. And I hope you caught that she said that her average tenure is five to six years. And she went two years without ever having someone leave. Um, the word she used was fiercely loyal. And she, she gave her blueprint. I'm not going to have to regurgitate it. But I love the fact that she really emphasized walking in their shoes and being present with them, not managing through reports, but by observing, understanding, prioritizing, and then prescribing what they do. I think her tactic of pick one deal per rep per quarter and be actively involved in those and it's okay for you to actively take an active role in working those deals is really great because then that's where you teach. And then on the other ones, when you're having one-on-ones and, and pipeline reviews, you can refer to the teachers uh, as you consult. And then the final piece would be I can observe and I can uh, watch and I can give counsel as you kind of talk about strategies moving forward. I thought that was really, really good because that's her strategy to make it so she doesn't have this need to take over deals. I, I thought that that was fantastic. I also thought it was fantastic that she said it's arguably more important to teach them how to tie into internal network uh, resources than to tie, to develop external networking. Now, I'm not going to say one's more important than the other because I know they're both massively important. But we've never had someone come on here and talk a little bit about the importance of how to nurture these internal networks and get people to want to work with you again. I think that's her secret. She knows how to make people feel like we are working together. We have this common cause. We have this common mission. Even how you get your customers to feel like we're now working together. So that would be my challenge to you. Go back and listen to Lacey with the lens of, am I helping my team feel like we're working together? Or do they feel like they work for me? And I believe that if they are in that we are working for them rather than with them, you run a much bigger risk of having things like turnover and, you know, erratic uh, development of people. And so that would be the thing that I really I really had jumped out at me is she even finished it with the biggest leadership challenge was fighting for your people through change. You know, as we are asked to do more, we always, always, always have to take the face to our, our team of we got this. We always, always, always have to turn it into a system that has face validity But behind the scenes, sometimes we are fighting like hell, uh, for our team to make sure that we're setting them up to win. I thought that was fantastic because you've heard me say it before. People are the world's greatest reflectors. What are you reflecting to them? And are they work, are they reflecting back to you that we work together or are they reflecting back to you that there is, you know, I I work for you because those are two different kind of organizations. Those are two different kinds of cultures. And one breeds fiercely loyal people that will do anything to succeed. And others, they do enough to make sure that they keep their job. Go back and listen and think through that lens. It will help you have a killer year this year and beyond. Thanks to Lacey for joining us uh, was a great episode thanks to each of you for listening to us i hope you're off to a killer 2019 i hope that you are going to take what the market gives and then some i hope you have a great plan on how you're going to push the how button and most of all i hope you will be legendary this year in the lives of each of your reps and as always don't worry just execute because we got you don't worry.
1: Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and waymakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored
0: by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.